Let me get to the word because I truly believe that this word has really so many testimonies. Let me just give you a few. So many people have contacted me and said, man, Pastor Will, your messages has impacted my life in such a way. Restoring the breaches has really restored things in my life that's been broken for so many years. And out of nowhere, I feel this motivation, this excitement to get things done and to fix those areas that are obnicted, those broken areas. And I've just been blessed by your message. And, and then there's some other folks that's been blessed financially. A couple called me up and said, hey, we felt moved to tithe to your church. They've only been here one time. But they follow us on social media. And they called me around 11.30. First of all, you don't call me at 11.30. I'm all open by that time. But they couldn't wait to tell me, said Pastor Will, sorry is we're calling you late, but we need to tell you this. Listen to me. God spoke to us and said, give to your church. Give to Come Connect Church. And the moment we gave, we felt a breakthrough in our lives. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you don't understand. We've been looking for approval for a long time. And every time we go to a bank to try to get pre-approved, they say they can't help us. The moment we gave and felt that breakthrough, we reached out to a bank. Actually, the bank reached out to us and said, hey, go shopping. You've been pre-approved. What am I saying? That God blessed them because they gave to this church? No. God blessed them because they were obedient in what he was saying. Obedience brings out the blessings of God. Amen? So there have been so many testimonies. That's just one of them. There's been so many testimonies. I know Pastor Benny and Thalia has been, ha, ha, they, they've been texting them. So there's some good things going on at Come Connect Church. By the way. So if you're sitting at home watching this and you can be here, be here. Because it's just a different experience. Amen? Okay. To the message. Your Bible should be marked where? Nehemiah chapter 2. Amen? You should know that verse by heart now. Nehemiah chapter 2. Want to give a shout out to the women's group. Come on, give a clap offering to the women's group. Listen, God is doing something with the women's group. All I know is that I walked in the house. My wife was in front of a, 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 a laptop. And there were about 29 or 30 women just sharing in this group. And God is just moving. And I mean, we're all over the place just coming together in one accord. And God is restoring lives. That's amazing. Amen. So then I told her, I said, well, we have 14 guys in our men's group. She said, well, we beat you. But our men's group was powerful. I'm talking about, we're talking about things. And by the way, if you're a man and you want to join our group, please contact Pastor Benny or myself. We will love to have you. Just know this, that whatever is said in the men's group stays in the men's group. That is our pact. <laughs> Amen? So the only way you can come in there is if you take that oath. Amen? So big shout outs to the women's group. God is doing some amazing things. We're excited. Uh, we got, uh, pray for us. We are planning to get away. My wife, myself, Pastor Benny and his wife, God has spoken to us to get away and get into the presence of God. And begin to seek direction for where he wants us to be and where he wants us to go. So just just keep us in prayer, amen, during the week um, as we seek the Lord for guidance into what he wants us to be and, and go as a church, amen? All right. Uh, 
Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. You should be there. And let's read the word. Let's get into the word. It says, it says this. Then I said unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he has spoken to me. So they said, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. We are in our fourth lesson in our series, Restoring the Breaches. And I know last week we was in our fourth lesson in restoring the breaches. But I don't know what God is doing. I even told Pastor Benny, I should just move on to number five. You should have never told him that because he says, nope, you got to finish number four, which is the right thing to do. Amen. Um, we understand that in the book of Nehemiah, uh, God is restoring the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. And as the people in Jerusalem was, 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 was in exile, they were returning and, and they understood that they seen the was broken and the gates were burned with fire. And, and God laid it on Nehemiah's heart to go back and restore the walls and repair the gates that were burned down so, th so they no longer can be a reproach. Amen? Listen, the Bible says in Nehemiah that they were in distress. And I truly believe that today... We are facing stress. Amen? And, and Nehemiah understood that they needed to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And that we understand that we have to rebuild the walls and the things in our lives. Amen? We have distress. We, we said that distress exposes breaches in our lives. You ever heard the term of pressure bus pipes? So when you're under pressure and when you're facing some distress... What comes out is those broken areas, those areas where you are vulnerable to the enemy. Amen? And so we are using Nehemiah as a natural example to teach us a spiritual lesson. Amen? So I want you to understand what we're doing. We, we, we learned that distress exposes the breaches in our lives. It exposes the broken places in our lives. It, it, it exposes the areas of neglect that we have just neglected and put off not to deal with them. We hope, um, I mean, distress also exposes areas that the devil can come in and discredit us, meaning that we give place to the devil. And every time we get to that point, we either fall we fail or we falter. See, that's an area of our lives where God has been trying to get us to address. Because the adversary always knows how to push that button. See, you've been doing good, my brother, but let, let me push this button. Watch this. And every time he pushes that button, you always fall. See, that's a breach in your life that God wants to fix. Breaches are areas that we have gaps in. We have gaps in our knowledge, gaps in our character, and, gap, and gaps in our conduct and how we behave. God wants us to address those things. Breaches are areas where we are simply not prepared. We continue to get to the point where God has us to be, and every time we get there, we are unprepared. The worst thing is to go to war and not prepare yourself or train to get there. So when you get there, you have no clue how to fight. And God wants us to be prepared. So when the adversary comes, we're ready. Amen? Amen. We said the intent for this series is to strengthen those areas in our lives that are vulnerable. We need to strengthen those areas in our lives that are vulnerable. We said that the purpose for this message is to motivate us to do the work. And the reason why we need to be motivated is because we know, we are, we've been known that we've had breaches. And for some reason, we haven't done the work. And so I, my prayer and my purpose is to motivate us to go ahead and do the work. Amen. The goal for this series is, to, is for us to rise and build. 
Amen? We got to rock and we have to build. And, and, and listen, in our earlier lessons, we learned some things. We learned the origin of our breaches. Where did our breach come from? We learned where did this broken place come from? Why do I have this gap in my life? Why do I have this place of repeated failure? We, we learned in our first lesson that every breach comes from sin. Sin is the origin of of every breach. We learn when, when, that when we have a breach, it, it exposes me to a life that God never intended me to have. We learn that when we have a breach, it exposes us to a life that we were never intended to have. Not only that, but also breaches exposes to consequences that we never intended to deal with. Breaches also expose us to death in areas where God intended to us for us to have life. I'm going to go slow because I want you to get this. I'm going to finish today, I promise you. Then we learned the necessity of restoration, that we have to have an urgency to fix it. Amen? We said, why now, Pastor Will? We said that, why now? Because of our present distress. The current distress is bringing out our, our breaches. And because they're being exposed, we have to deal with it. Amen? Why now? We said because God, because it's a good work. Excuse me. Restoring something that was broken. Church, that's a good work. Amen? We said why now? Because God is with you. God is with you. The Bible says that when you hear voice, don't harden your heart. Meaning take it in, accept it, and do the work necessary that you need to do. Amen? We also said in our third lesson, we learned that we are going to do this by developing a mind to work. You're not going to be able to accomplish nothing if you don't develop a mind to do it. If your mind is not developed to do it, you won't get it done. Amen? But you cannot restore without a mind to work. Now, what does that mean, Pastor Will? Let me explain to you. Each one of us is going to take, we have to take the responsibility for our own breaches. See, because we want other people to fix our breaches. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. That's not the way it works. I spoke to Nehemiah to come and restore the breaches in Jerusalem. But, in chapter 3, if you read it, every family took the responsibility to build their section of wall. Amen? They had the responsibility. Well, I'm not qualified to do so. Well, let me tell you, some of these people are qualified to build. And God used them to build and rebuild their part of the section of the wall. And they all got together after rebuilding their section and made one wall. So God wants us to individually work in our breaches for us to be stronger collectively as a church. Amen. Church, if you got all that, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And you can subtitle this message, The Cost of Restoration. The Cost of Restoration. Yeah, it's going to cost something. And I don't want to put you in something that you don't have no clue of. I'm going to let you know what it's going to cost you. I'm going to let you know what it's going to take. So when you get in there, you have an understanding of what it takes to restore. Amen? Amen. Last week, we started with, 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 with this statement to guide us. Listen, breaches often persist in our lives because we don't want to pay the cost. Breaches often person our lives because we don't want to pay the cost. Or we think we can, we are unable to pay the cost. We can't afford to pay the cost. And oftentimes I hear people say, well, especially when I give them counsel and they say, Pastor, well, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, and then I give them the cost. They say, well, I just can't do that. Or they say, I really can't afford to. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not ready yet. Or how about this one? That seems like a lot, don't you think? Or that's, that's, that's just too hard. 
In other words, what people are saying is that, you know, you're right in what I need to do, but, but, but I'm not ready to do what you're asking me to do. In other words, what they're saying is that instead of me paying the cost, I'd rather live with the distress that I have in my life. See, breaches oftentimes persist our health and our finances. I told somebody the other day that I, I just, I'm just, I need to get out of here. Can you help me? Sure. How do I do it? Paying your... <laughs> he thought I was going to give him something. No. Stop some money. Pay your bills. I said, do you have a savings account? Oh, yes, I do. Got a couple thousand in there. I said, do you have a savings account? When you have debt, there is, I, I, I don't understand that. I said, take the 2000 pay off your debt. After you pay your debt off, build your savings account. I know it's quiet. I know why. It's okay. I have to go through it too. But he was like, uh-uh, I'm not taking those 2000 out of that account. It took me a while to get it there. I'm going to still live with the distress that I'm dealing with because I'm going to pay the cost. Come on. I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Amen. This is a big one right here. Unforgiveness. That's one of the hardest ones. I'm just not ready to do that, Pastor Will. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she did to me. I, I'm not ready to forgive her yet. Well, let me just tell you something. Can I just be real with you guys? Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. The other person is actually living their lives like nothing ever happened. The other person is sleeping real good. Every night while you losing sleep in your house because you don't want to let go. Unforgiveness is like, or, or forgiveness is like setting a prisoner free. But then later on finding out that the prisoner was yourself. See, because when you don't forgive, you don't hold the other person in bondage. You hold yourself captive. And so... When somebody says, we're willing to, for, to forgive, they're saying, I'm not willing to get out of the distress that I am in because I don't want to let it go. But the, the, the moment you realize when you forgive is like instant freedom that comes to your life. It's an instant breakthrough that comes to your life. The cost is forgiveness. Amen? Listen, church, there is a cost to restoring the breaches, and there is a cost for them unrestored. Understand that. It's going to cost you to restore them, but it's going to cost you way more to leave them unrestored. See, you, you might not want to get out of debt, but the faster you pay it off, the less interest you'll pay. The longer you take the more interest is going to come and it's going to be charged. And by the time you know it, you done paid it over three or four times. See, church, let me tell you what happened to me. I got tired of living under stress. I got tired of living in distress. There were some things that I had to face in my life and they were hard. There were some things that I had to face and... Boy, especially when my wife told me. My wife told me one time, hey, you, you have a character flaw. Because guess what? You know what I love? You can put up the facade you want in front of everybody out there. But the real you is when you're home alone. When nobody else is looking. And most of the time, your wife knows. <laughs> or your husband. I'm, I'm an equal opportunist here. Amen? 
Listen, church, write this down. Things don't get better on their own. They don't get better on their own. As a matter of fact, things get worse as time goes on. Amen? Listen, last week I told you the course right up front, and I'm going to tell you it today. Listen, we said that it's going to cost you. In order to restore the breaches, it's going to cost everything. It's going to cost you everything. Ooh, well, what do you mean everything, Pastor Will? Exactly what that means. Everything. See, if your life is going to cost you everything, anything that's keeping your life from doing the will of God. Amen? God spoke, Jesus spoke to the, or the rich young ruler spoke to Jesus and said, and said, teacher, teacher, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to go to heaven? And Jesus told them, understood where his heart was and said, you got to sell what you have. You have to give to the poor and you got to follow me. And the rich young ruler said, wait a minute. Sell everything I got and I got to give? I don't think I can do that. And so the rich young ruler knew that if he died, he couldn't take anything he owned with him to heaven. But he was so attached to what he valued that he couldn't give up. He couldn't give it up to follow Jesus. Now, before you begin to judge the rich young ruler, I know that if the rich young ruler was, was struggling to do to, to what he had and give to the poor and leave everything but follow Jesus, I know that there's some people here that have some issues on giving what we have and, and, and giving what we value to follow Jesus. And some of us, we're holding on to some things that valuing that God is telling us to get rid of because it's taking us out of the route of Jesus. Can I just say something to you? I'm not going to say it. No way. Listen, paying for stuff is always difficult. When you have to pay for something, it hurts. It's difficult. I get it. But the reward of it is better, by far more better than anything that you can think of. Listen, restoration, we said, is going to cost you things that you value. Things that you put your value in. We said last week that a value may be the issue. What I value may be the issue. The reason I got broken things in my marriage or in my family or in my life or in my home or even, or, or, or even in my workplace because there are areas of repeated failure. It may be what I value. Watch this. What I value may be keeping me in distress. What I value may be keeping me in the distress that I am. Church, remember I said this. Please take it home with you. You cannot restore without costing you something. Amen? Let's go to Luke um, chapter 14. I'm probably going to read the, the whole thing. I'm, I'm kidding. Luke chapter 14 verse 15 says this. It says, now, when one of those who sat down at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he sh who shall eat bread in the, king in the kingdom of God. He said to him, Jesus begins to speak a parable. He said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant a supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all, all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask to be excused. And another said, I have five yoke and oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to be excused. And still another said, I got myself a woman. I got married, and therefore I can't come. So that servant came and reported these things in his master. 
to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to, to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Tough. This is Jesus' words. I didn't say it. Same. They read. Listen. Restoration will cost me what I have invested in. You heard this. You heard the second guy said, hey, listen. I, I mean, you heard the first guy. He said, hey, listen. I bought a piece of land. I can't come. I've invested my time and my money into this land. So now I don't need you anymore. See? We have to understand that restoration will causes. So what is this thing that we, we have invested in? See, there's some things in our lives that we've invested our time in. We've invested our money in. We've invested our energy. We've invested our feelings. And even some of us have invested our self-worth into some things. In other words, I am something because I have this. Or I have this person. And we've invested all this time and energy and feeling and then not understanding that when you invest that time and money and energy and feeling and self-worth into these things, it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go. Amen? The question that I have to you is this. What is the return? What has the return been? In other words, those things that you put your time, your money, your energy, and your feeling to, have ever returned you anything? Or why do you continue to have breaches in your life, even though you're investing in things? I'll tell you why. Because you're investing into the wrong things. Amen? Listen, restoration is going to cost you what I planned. Sometimes we, make, we have some great plans. But the Lord is saying, hey, listen, that was a good idea, by the way. But that's not the direction I want you to go. Amen. It's a great investment. Great. You can make a lot of money. You can do a lot of things. But you know what? I want you to go this way. And it's hard. Because if you know me, and if you spend time with me, I do a lot of things. I'm involved in so many things. So many. So many. Not only has my wife said, yo, you need to slow down a little bit. She's right. But now the Lord is saying you need to detach yourself from these things that you have invested your time in and invested your money into and invested your feelings into. And you have to detach yourself because I'm calling you for something else. And it's hard for me because I love these people. It's hard for me, not with the money. You, if you guys know me, I don't care about that. The thing that I care about is the people and the relationships that I've, I've created throughout the time. You know what, what our biggest thing is? I tried to give this to God one time. I said, God, but if I'm not there, what's going to happen to them? <laughs> and you know what the Lord told me? You're not their God. Amen. I'm their God. Amen. They're going to be just fine because I'm going to be there. Amen. I'm calling you to do something else. You're not their God. Don't make that as an excuse. Oh, I can't. I, I, I have to be there because if I'm not there, I don't know what's going to happen to so-and-so. My ears are too small. <laughs> Give the clap off for Pastor Benny. Pastor Benny makes, he, he wears a lot of hats. I'm, I'm so blessed to have him. Amen. Now listen to me. What is it going to cost us? Not only the things we value, but also restoration is going to cost us great sacrifice. Y'all thought I was done with sacrifice, huh? No. no. I just was teaching you that we had to have a mind to sacrifice. See? But restoration is going to cost us great sacrifice. 
Now, sacrifice is difficult, but sacrifice is necessary for restoring our breaches. Amen? Listen, what I am unwilling to sacrifice may be the issue. What I am willing, what I am unwilling to sacrifice may be the issue. Amen? Listen, some of us, our health is not right because we're not willing to sacrifice the fast food or eating better. Right? And now we struggle with our health. Right? Some of us are not willing to sacrifice the things that the time that we need to spend at home. How many know that just because you're home doesn't mean that you're home? Come on now. Hello. Huh? You're home and you're like this. And your kid is there longing for your attention. And you're swiping. And you're swiping. So you care about more what's on social media and your likes and who viewed your video than your kid at home? I, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. You could be mad at me. It's okay. But I'm just giving it to you real. So what happens is that, that when they get older, they come say a statement like my dad or my mom wasn't there. They were home, but they were never there. Take the opportunity now that you have an opportunity yeah. to spend the time that needs to be spent with those kids. Because guess what? Somebody's ministering to them if you're not. Because today they're watching YouTube and I'm telling you right now, they can be watching something fine, but all of a sudden another YouTube video comes up and they click on it. And somebody else is ministering to your child while you're scrolling, checking your likes. Come on now. Wasn't in my notes. Somebody needed to hear that. Church, it's may, it may be what we are unwilling to sacrifice. Let me, let me, let's keep reading Luke chapter um, 14. Let's go to verse 25. I promise you I'm, I'm, I'm ending soon. I have three endings. Verse 25 says this. Now the great multitude went to him, went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes after me, or comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first, and there it is, and count the cost? Now, before you misunderstand what the word is saying, the word hate here in the context of Luke chapter 14 is not the word that we understand as hate. It's not the word of, uh, of emotional dislike for a person to wish them harm. He, Jesus is not talking about that word hate. He's talking about uh, this word hate in, in this context, in this scripture. It means this. It means that we have, to have, we have to love them less than we love God. That's all that means. It means that God wants you to love him more than anything else in this world, including your own life. The Bible says that he who seeks to find his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for his sake will find it. The Bible says what would a, what would a man profit if he gains the whole world but loses soul? And what would he exchange for his soul? The most important thing here is Christ. Christ. You got to put me down. They, 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 some people think I'm yelling at them. It's just the way I preach. Some of us are not willing to, to put people in their proper place. See, restoration is going to cost me, and it's going to cost me to sacrifice some relationship. Uh-oh. If I'm going to be in the will of God, and if I'm going to be able to close the gaps in my life and restore the breaches in my life, there are going to be some relationships that I may have to sacrifice. And watch this, sacrifice in relationship doesn't always mean that it's permanent. It just means that in order for you to get what you need to get, you're going to have to sacrifice this relationship for now.
Because for some reason, every time I get around this person, for some reason, they always guide me and lead me to the place where I don't want to be. I'm pursuing God on Sunday. My homegirl calls me on Tuesday. Said, girl, come on over. I'm going through something. You come on over. You started praying. And by the end of the night, you're drinking a beer. Oh, we can't be real? We can't be real in church? I had a friend that I loved dearly. Loved him. Every time we got together, I've always, man, you got to come to church, man. You got to come to church. By the end of the week, I was smoking weed with him. And God told me, you got to cut this man off. You got to cut him off for now. And I cut him off. One of the hardest things I had to do because he was like my brother. God restored me. And now we have a beautiful relationship. I'm almost done. Promise. That was my third. That was my second. <laughs> Listen, sacrificing relationships is positional. You have to take a stand. Amen? Because guess what? Some people don't want you to be whole. Some people don't want you to change. Not because they hate you, just because if you change, that means they lose you. And they lose what they were doing, and they lose what they were getting into. They won't have you no more in their misery. See? So they, you know, they liked you when you were broken. Because they're broken. They liked you in the state that you were in. Now all of a sudden you're trying to get your stuff together. Come on, girl. You know how we do. No, that's over. I'm taking a stand. I'm following Jesus. And you know what? You can come with me too. But I'm not going where you're going anymore. And take that stand. Amen? Not only restoration is going to cost you what you sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice relationships. But, but it's ironic. Restoration is also going to cost me to sacrifice for others. You're going to have to sacrifice for other people. Yes. That means go out your way. That means that if you work downtown and somebody needs a ride uptown, that means you got to ride all the way uptown to go get them. It's okay. Somebody went out their way for you. It's okay. It's okay. Not only that, but listen, I'm going to have to sacrifice my resources. As well. That's natural resources and financial resources. Sometimes you got to dig in your pocket and bless somebody else. You know, God's people have gotten the mindset to always rest. And let me change that. If you're sitting here and you're watching, I got to change your mindset. Stop sitting in a restaurant and not tip the waiter. Right? If anything, because you're Christian, tip them more than what they deserve. Wow. Right? And just because you're Christian doesn't mean somebody always has to do a favor for you. <laughs> oh, we brothers in Christ. Oh, he got me. <laughs> well, that's true. And that might be the case sometimes. But you know what? Dig in your pocket and bless that brother or sister that's going out their way. No. Don't just receive a blessing. Be a blessing. Amen? Because the Bible tells me that it's better to give than to receive. Can I change? Because we, Christians are cheap. I'm sorry. Come connect. We're not cheap. We give. Right? Every time I sit in a restaurant, I make sure that my waiter gets a nice tip. To the point where we was eating last week and the waiter came back and said, hey, are you sure about this? And I say, yes, I'm sure you're good. You know why? Because it gives you an open door to preach the gospel. This is why I give. Because Jesus lives inside my heart. He has restored me. And I'm telling you that I give because he gave unto me. Did I say I was almost... I'm almost done. 
Restoration is going to cost us the things we value. Secondly, the, it's going to cost us great sacrifice. And last, Marisol, <laughs> it's going to cost us the world's peace. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, not as the world leaves it. But let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, there's a type of peace that the world gives. See, the world, as long as you, 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 you get along with everybody and, 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 and as long as you get by, as long as everyone likes you and then you like everybody, and, and that, that, that's a type of peace that the world gives you. But the moment you decide to rise up for Jesus, the same world that was backing you up, the same world that had peace with you and was cool with you, is the same world that's coming against you. Same world that embraces you is the same world that tries to destroy you. Listen, the moment you decide to say, yes, I'm going to restore this, opposition will rise up. Let's go, to, let's go back to Nehemiah, and I'm going to finish with this. Nehemiah chapter 6, I promise, this is it. Watch this. The world loves when you're failing, hates when you're successful, especially when you, your success is in the will of God. Nehemiah chapter 6, watch this. Uh, let's read verse 1. It says this. It says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though I, at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates. Listen, that Sambalad and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. Anyone that wants you to go to a plain of Ono, please don't go. <laughs> please don't show up. But they, taught the, they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they said to me, they sent me this message four times, and I, and, and I answered to them in the same manner. Then Simbalat sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. And I'm not going to read that right now, but let me just tell you something. Listen. We are going to have to be willing to fight for the will of God. Watch this. I, 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 I'm not, I don't want you to fight with anyone in particular. Because us, we start saying, no, so-and-so is rising up against me. I'm fighting against her. It's not a person. We have to fight for the will of God. For the will of God. Amen? It is a fight that sometimes you have to fight within yourself. Sometimes you have to fight yourself in order to get to the will of God. Sometimes you have to fight opposition. Sometimes you have to fight what you desire, the, the, the desire to quit, the desire to compromise, the desire to settle. Sometimes you got to fight, church. Watch this. You're not fighting against people because people can't really stop you. Think about it. When I was doing whatever I was doing in the world, there were people that came up to me and said, Will, don't go down this road. They didn't stop me. I did what I want. The same way they couldn't stop me when I was doing something wrong, guess what? People can't stop me when I'm willing to do the will of God now. They can say and do whatever they want, but make sure that you have to understand that no one can stop you from doing God's will. Amen? Amen? It's going to be a fight. That's the cause. You're going to have to want to do the will of God in your life more than anything else in the world. Listen, you're going to have to not listen to gossip, what people say about you. You're going to have to guard your ears. 
You're going to have to guard your hearts. You're going to have to put down your phones. You're going to have to walk away from some conversations. You're going to have to uh, um, fight away some situations. You're going to have to untangle yourselves from certain relationships. You're going to have to fight through some sacrifices. And last, you're going to have to fight against addictions and desires in your life. I was a drug addict. I was addicted to drugs. And when God called me, it was one of the hardest things that I faced. And when God saved me and restored my life from the addiction, one of the hardest things for me to stop was smoking cigarettes. I was a pack a day guy. Yes, I know you're surprised. And one day I remember I was in heavenly vision, never forget this. And I was sitting in the back of the church and, and Pastor Sabino was there and he said, if, 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 if you're battling with something and, 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 you, and you just, you're tired of dealing with it, he said, write it in this piece of paper. He said, crumble it up and bring it up to the front. And so I said, man, that's it. I'm a, mm, 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 mm. Crumbled it up, went up there to the altar, and I said, cigarettes, I leave you forever. And I put it on that altar, and I walked away, and churches, and I was walking away. There was something that was being stirred up in me. That, not that I didn't have the desires to smoke, not that I didn't get tempted to smoke, but there was a strength on the inside of me that once I walked back to my seat, God told me you will never touch another cigarette again. You got to be willing to fight. See, you're not just going to roll over and fall right into the will of God. You're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to get your shoulders a little broad. You're, you're going to have to pick your head up and, 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 and you're going to have to roll your sleeves up a little bit and you're going to have to fight. Now that you see how Nehemiah was building the wall and when he was getting close to the finish, the enemy opposition rose up and said, hold on a second. I didn't think they can do it. It's almost finished. I, I know she told me that she was going to stop pursuing God. I, I know she told me that he was, she was going to get her life right. I know he told me that that's it. It was no more of this and no more of that. I didn't believe him. But look at him now. He's, he's getting closer to the finish. Hold on a second. And opposition will always up when you're about to finish what God has called you to do. When the restoration process is almost finished. When God is ready to say, good, well done, good and faithful servant, good job. The opposition always rises up. Gishem, Sambalad and them came down and said, yo, we want to talk to you. Come on down. And Nehemiah said, what you got to talk to me about? I'm doing something good here. I don't got to come talk to you. Matter of fact, hold on a second. Can you tell them I ain't talking to them? But the Bible says that they were persistent. They came for three, four. They came five times. How many times? Listen, how many of you, your kids come tell you, Daddy, can I do this? And you'll be like, no. Daddy, come on, please. No. Come on, Daddy, I love you. Go ahead. <laughs> and you break. I'm guilty. Especially my daughters. My boys will be like, no. <laughs> my daughters, I melt. But listen to me. We have to understand that in order to fight, we, we have to understand that we have to be willing to knock mice. I'm not getting down from this wall. I'm doing the good work. I don't know what you're saying. I don't care what was being said. Don't call me. Don't look for me. Don't text me. Don't private message me on Facebook. As a matter of fact, I'm taking it down. I'm staying on the wall. We have to be unwilling to compromise. Watch this. Can you put some tunes on? I know my wife is probably saying, when is this guy going to be finished? 
Sorry, baby, if you watch this video later. Watch this, though. Please pay attention, because I'm going to end with this. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me, as before, a fifth time. This time, he opened the letter, and the letter said this. It is reported among the nations, and Gishem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, there wasn't even facts, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets and proclaimed concerning you at Jerusalem, saying that there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, and therefore let us consort together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such thing as you say are being done. But you invent them in your own hearts. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and, it, will be, and it won't be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of somebody. Who was a secret informer listen to this they even sent secret informers and he said let us meet together in the house of God in the temple and let us close the door of the temple for they are coming to kill you indeed at night they will come to kill you and I said such a man as I flee and who is there such a such as I who excuse me who is there such as I who would go into the house, the temple, and save his life? I would not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent them at all, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalit had hired them. Can I just say something? Sometimes people will say that they're saying something on behalf of God. And it's not God. Sometimes somebody would say, hey, let's go, let's go and meet in the house of God, like they were saying to him, but they were they were plotting to kill him. Ladies, can I just say this to you guys? Just because a man tells you that he believes in God and he's a Christian doesn't mean that he is. Later on you find out that he's nowhere what a Christian is supposed to be. Right? The Bible says that you judge it by the fruit. And so, really learn the word. Because when somebody says that they're giving you something in behalf of God and it's not, that's the devil. So know what God's word says. Amen? I felt like that was so important, especially in the times that we're living. Because there's so many false prophets rising up today on behalf of God. And we have to be aware. Amen. God bless you. My time is up. Thank you for yours.